right, my friends, welcome back to an autochthonous episode of what? V8 Radio. Yes, uh, I'm Kevin Oste, joined, as always, by our esteemed co-host, Mr. Mike Cuball clark And I don't know what to think about that. <laughs> yes, you don't believe that our show is autochthonous? <laughs> well, I... Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Sorry. Well, autochthonous is kind of a synonym for original, so... Oh. I think we are uh, just, you know, brimming with autochthoneity. Uh, indeed. Indeed, sir. So, Quite. Yeah. <laughs> Quite so. Right. right. See? I wouldn't steer you wrong. <laughs> no, no, you would not. Only, only, only during trivia question answering. Yeah, That's right. All. Yeah. That's all how you perceive it. Sure, true, true. It's not a steering, it's a perception. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, speaking of trivia questions, mm-hmm. we are we will start the show with with said trivia. Right on. Well, that tells me you got one. Oh boy, howdy, I got one. All right. Well, last week when we had chatted about this, you didn't have one yet, so you had a few days to to, to grab one. Yeah, up. Right. yeah. I had this one in my back pocket waiting for a while, so uh, I decided oh, no. to pull it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All yeah, right. So well, get, so do you want to go get, first with yours, or? Yeah. Yeah. Get ready for this one, my man. Um, you know, Kevin, with the weather's getting nicer, uh, people are cruising out with their cars, and you know, back in the day when when cruise nights were super popular, people were cruising down the boulevard, and invariably you would get a little stoplight to stoplight race action. And uh, before the invention and implementation of the electric stoplight. This would not happen. So tell me, where was the first electric traffic light installed? Oh, man. All right. Oh, well, I, I, you only have to give me a city. I'm, uh, oh, thanks. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, I'm going to back that up and say I, I take issue with that. Oh, because, do you not? Uh, yes, I, I fully believe that people were engaging in unsanctioned illegal racing activity <laughs> long before there was an electric traffic signal to cue. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you well, have... you take all the issue you like, fella. Just answer the question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people waving their arms and using flashlights and pointing mm-hmm. and, you know, all that stuff. So, but that doesn't get me out of this one, does it? It does not. No, no, no. All right. All right. <laughs> I could protest all I want. I could sit this. True. You may, <laughs> yes. You may file a grievance with the union if you like. You can uh, walk out of school. All right. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I'm going to say that this occurred in Los Angeles. Los Angeles. The very first stoplight signal electric is my guess. Electric stoplight. Okay. Kevin you- says... La La Land. Yes. All right. You said I just had to name a city, so. Correct. Correct. All right. Well, that's. I won't even make you tell me when or what intersection it was in. Yeah, because I have no idea. And I really okay. don't have any idea about L.A. either, but that's I'm just throwing okay. it out there. Well, I mean, it's not a bad guess. Big city. Um, a lot of traffic. Even, mm-hmm. you know, when cars first came around, I'm sure. So it's. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing about that is ever since they invented that thing, they're still not paying attention to them out there. So. This is true. This is true. Mm-hmm. Lost on the whole culture mm-hmm. for a hundred mm-hmm. years or so, I bet. <laughs> right, right. Well, over a hundred years. Oh, man, he tips his hand a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little ah, bit. Well, right on. All right, well, our uh, esteemed audience will have to stew on that one until the end of the show. That's how we, we try and hook people, you know, making them wait to say, where was that traffic? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I have one that's nowhere near as... Uh, as heinous. As heinous, as yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I'll just throw it right out there. Uh, uh, currently, what country is first in automobile production? First in automobile production. Meaning the high, highest number of vehicles produced. Uh, okay. You know, countries on Earth. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. That I get produce that. automobiles. Yeah, right, 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 right. All right, um, so... Does this mean mm-hmm. producing for their own country or producing for the rest of the world? Or I think it's just, any... uh, you know, on January 1 to December 31st, the country that made the most cars. Oh, 
man. Okay. I don't know where that's, they all went or if they stayed. Yeah, or... that's that's oh, that's a little leading here. Um, well, it doesn't really matter, I guess. I mean, the most cars is the most cars. If they stayed or went, that's not really what we're focusing on. We just want to know which one produced the most. Produced the most cars. Okay. And I'm not talking about trucks. This is cars. Okay. And when I say I'm trucks, gonna... I'm not talking like, like, you know, medium and heavy duty, like delivery semis. But okay. I will say that, you know, like pickup trucks and okay, light trucks. Okay, so regular, yeah, light, light vehicles. Okay. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Let's see. Well, a lot of places will farm out. A lot of their uh, auto production because mm. it's it's cheaper. Mm. Um, <laughs> Mexico is a it, they produce a lot of cars. I know they do a lot for Volkswagen. They do even for uh, the U.S. A lot of parts there too. A lot of parts there too. Um, you know what? So that that said, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there and just say Mexico makes the most cars. Mexico produces the most vehicles. All right, hold on. I'm gonna note that. Mexico. Aye, aye, aye. <laughs> very nice. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, it's a very interesting uh, observation and guess, and we will find out soon enough. Yes, sir. Right on. So uh, there has been uh, 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 quite a quite a bit going on. The, the spring has taken forever to get here, and it's still not, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah. saw you were doing some engine part Subassembly work on the GTO motor? Yes, sir. I, we um, got my rings uh, file fitted, the top and uh, second ring uh, file fitted uh, last night. And today I, I deburred the edges. We ran out of time last night. So I, I brought them home with me and with a stone and deburred the, the edges there. And I'm uh, uh, going to go back probably tomorrow night, uh, Monday night, I should say. And uh, Try to get some more done. Maybe take some more parts to get blasted and uh, cleaned up and painted. So uh, we got things moving on this. Deal. Literally had your nose to the grindstone. Literally had my nose <laughs> to the ring grindstone. Yeah, exactly. One. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It only did a little bit of damage to this this button nose of mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How was that experience of grinding and file fitting your rings? It was pretty cool. I uh, I'd never done that before. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was interesting. I, I kind of learned the hard way that the second ring is a bit softer than the top ring. Mm-hmm. And the, the first second ring I did, I took a little more off than I, I wanted to. So. Yeah, it'll get you that way. Oh, it got me. It got me. But I think I should be all right. I mean, if, if, it, if this were a race motor, I'd be concerned. But since being a street-only motor, I'm not too upset about it. What so. kind of uh, ring gap spec are you installing? Uh, 16 thousandths on the top and about 16 on the bottom. Except for one. Bottom ring. <laughs> One's at 18. Except, <laughs> if only. <laughs> yeah. That first one will get you. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and Randy was there with me and uh, I said, holy cow, this one opened up a lot. He's like, oh yeah, that, that second one's a little softer. I'm like, well, thanks for telling me now. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, you got to ease into this stuff. Yeah, yeah, you got to sneak up on it. But the rest went perfect. So. Good, good. And then so deburring, you're just kind of taking that little edge that you ground and, and smoothing that out. Was there Correct. additional work around the ring? It should have been pretty nice around the rest of it. Oh, yeah, the rest of it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. just that end that I, that, I, that I ground down a little bit. had just a little bit of an edge on it, so mm-hmm. it smoothed everything out. And it, that part should be good to go. Just got to look at, check the oil uh, rings uh, when we go back to and uh, make sure that they're gapped where they should be. So mm-hmm. other than that, it's, I mean, it was, it was about a two hour process. So mm-hmm. not, not too bad. So uh, nice. It was, it's kind of fun. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's nice that you've, you know, your, your hands are in the project, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So there's a couple schools of thought on placement of those rings. Yeah. You know, there are those who say the gap's got to be clocked 180 on top right. to the second ring to ensure a good squeeze everywhere. Uh-huh. Um, interestingly enough, and I've mentioned Bill Travato before yes, on this have. episode, uh, he says put them wherever you want uh-huh. because they're going to spin, and that's what they're I've heard do. that too. Yeah. Yeah. I still put them 180. <laughs> yeah. 
It just sits better with my OCD nature. I probably will too. Yeah. So, I heck, I might put them at like uh, not one eighty. What, what would be a third of that? Like a third out to the second, a third out to the third, and, and they have the oil yeah. rings yeah. a third as well. So who knows? Then you know they can report back to you and see which one's not doing their job. Right. So, yeah. 120, 120, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That would be it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, you know, it'll be. It's gonna be fun. It, no, no matter how it turns out, it'll be great. Yeah, that's cool. Right on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, on to uh, assembling that short block pretty soon. Then. Yes, sir. Uh, as soon as we when we get those rings fitted, uh, we're gonna give the block a final wash, and you know, chase all the, all the all the holes and everything, all the all the threads, and uh, start putting things together. Right on. That'll be a big day. Yeah. It's going to be a great day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still got to spec a cam out. So um, I got to wait until I until I know what cam I'm going to use and mm-hmm. what those specs are before I do any work on those heads because I don't know, depending on the lift, I might need a taller valve or cut the spring pockets or however I'm going to do it. So, mm-hmm. so it we all, got that. It all interdepends on each other. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah. it's, it's cool. And, and, uh, you know, we've talked before about being able to do these projects and especially, you know, we all have so much stuff going on and, and, you know, of course you've got the family and, and other obligations. Uh, and I, I heard something the other day on a, on a radio, an AM talk show somewhere. And the guy made a great point he said, you know, making the plan and having the project is really only half the battle. The other half is, and the term he used is protecting the time. Huh. Which I thought was pretty interesting because we all have these plans. You know, part of it is make the plan, right? I need these parts and I'm going to do it at, right. in your case, my buddy Randy's house and get all this stuff right. together. But until you can assign some time and protect that time, there's a good chance that it won't happen. Yeah. Uh. And, and and you and I are kind of victims of this. Just, you know, the other day we had planned on, on recording this the other night and then I had something come up at the end that you know, involved a whole bunch right. of different people at once. So it was like, oh man, and it got moved and there you go. So, yeah. And I'm not to say, you know, say that what we're doing is, you know, low on the totem pole uh-huh. <laughs> by any well, stretch. Well, I mean, I mean, none of us are getting rich off of this and you got to take care of priorities that keep you going. Well, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. This this we, is kind of a fun side project here. So we, we do have flexibility. Yeah, exactly. Which is good. Exactly. But in your case, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, doing that ring job and, and, uh, you know, somebody who's, you know, going to work on restoring their car in their garage or whatever, you know, if you can't protect that time, it doesn't really matter if you make the time or it doesn't matter if you have the, you know, your ducks in a row. Right. So, right. And th- this guy was adamant about defending that. And, and, and I guess what he was, what he was suggesting is, you know, obviously check your calendar, check the family calendar and all the rest. You don't right. want to be just, you know, declaring that on Wednesday afternoon, you know, (laughs) to heck with the job and to heck with the family, I'm going to work on my stuff, but, you know, let them all know and and see if, you know, everything makes sense and is cleared and then that's your time. So you were able to do that. I was able to do that. And I, I learned that, that I, I need to, I know, I know this is, this is quote my project, but I have to involve the family to mm-hmm. get that time to be able to, you know, be gone for a few hours and make sure that I'm not, you know, shirking any of my family responsibilities mm-hmm. and while I'm doing that. And and my wife, God bless her, she's been, you know, more than cool with with this whole deal. She wants this going about as badly as I do. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, she's, I mean, there was times when that block was at the machinist and she's like, when the heck are you getting that car back? When are you getting your block back? <laughs> yeah, well, as when was, is this going to happen? As was my wife. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I had a couple of wives on me yeah. to get this going. Opposite so. of what a lot of people might assume. You know, a lot of people right. think their wives don't really want much to do with these kind of things and look at these as opportunities to take time away from them. But in our case, right. uh, you know, we're pretty lucky. Yeah, yeah, I'm super lucky. I mean, she's been terrific about the whole thing. So, I mean, I, I look at a calendar and I, I, I consult with her. I'm like, hey, you could think, you know, Monday after work, I can go get some engine work done. And she'd be like, yeah, we don't have anything going on, right? And nope, like, do it. Yeah. And yeah. get a lot done. So, right. 
Well, she wants to go for cruise in the GTO also. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and I want that too. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's great stuff. So, right. looking forward to it. So, if if my my hopefully my timeline still holds true and I can still get it done sometime this year. Yes. Well, that's, that's you know we're recording this in the you know middle of April, so yeah, middle third week or so. So yeah, I, that, that's we'll see. Yes, sir. Ball's in your Indeed. court at this point. Ball is in my <laughs> court. You are right. You are right. No one to blame but me this time. Right. Right. So uh, I had an interesting call the other day with uh, uh, my friend Michael Gray, who's uh, with AMD, with Auto Metal Direct, the yeah. reproduction parts company. And I noticed that um, AMD has been releasing piece by piece a bunch of uh, Ford reproduction parts. So I saw some of this stuff popping up online and like 63 and 64 galaxies do not have uh, sheet metal readily available for these uh-huh. cars. And, and I have a 62 and there's definitely nothing available for that. Thing. Right. You right. can get uh, interior parts and, and sure. some trim and screws and, and mechanical parts all day long. But uh, there was a couple companies making patch panel quarters and, and, you know, you've been playing with GTOs long enough to remember the days before a skin or a full quarter panel was reproduced for your GTO. And, yeah. and in the old days, it was the front half of the quarter up to the middle of the wheel arch and then the back right. half of the quarter. And it was, it was a terrible stamping and, you know, just yeah. t- tons and tons of work. Well, that, that's really all that's still around for the galaxy world. Um, until AMD jumped in with, with both feet and is uh, working on doing, I think, upwards of 450 part numbers for these cars. Really? It is huge. Yeah. That's and huge. It, it is. It's giant. And um, so I was intrigued by this. So I, I reached out to, to Mr. Gray and I, I had some questions. I was very, uh, uh, you know, like I said, intrigued by the whole thing. So, you know, I asked him, how is it that they land on a particular car? that they're going to start reproducing parts for. Right. And the answers are pretty interesting because, um, you know, Camaros and even GTOs and Mustangs right. and all that stuff, the parts have been around forever. So the first thing was to kind of identify a hole in the market. And the Galaxy markets, it's interesting because they also look at the number of cars that were built. You know, okay. so, so well, that makes sense. Right. It makes perfect sense. And a lot of what he said, I went, oh, yeah, right on. I'm an, I'm an idiot for not thinking about that. <laughs> uh, but uh, the size of the market definitely helps dictate um, the size of the market for them to make, right. make the parts. Sure. Well, another interesting thing is they look at uh, uh, distribution. Are there companies that sell parts for those cars that could reach customers okay. with the new parts? You know, because if you make all the parts for this car and there's only one shop selling them and yeah. nobody knows who they're gonna they have are. a heck of a backlog. Well, yeah, exactly. So yeah. so they're they're being smart about it and considering the distribution channel. Uh, but another interesting thing is that and, and what we found uh, restoring that sixty six seven liter is that a lot of these cars rusted away bad. So there is definitely a need for the parts, you know. Sure. Uh, so now you've got Numbers, you got distribution because there's a lot of companies, some some good solid retailers that that do Ford parts, uh, and then you've got the uh, uh, the need because many of these things you know rusted away to nothing. Um, so so that was pretty cool. Another interesting thing that uh, they try to analyze is is there a, obviously a strong following for the car, but is there media for the car? So are there magazines and TV shows oh, and social outlets and forums okay. that have big enthusiast followings? Because uh, uh, that helps them spread the word and it helps right. them identify you know, who they're trying to, to reach on these things. Uh-huh. So, so the, the, the business side w- was pretty interesting to, to hear because I never really considered a whole bunch of that stuff. Um, but the good thing is today's technology allows uh, a really accurate reproduction part to be made with far fewer steps than it used to take. Is that right? Well, it's far less of a mechanical process. So like in the, you know, when General Motors 
or Ford or Chrysler, their replacement parts, you know, generally the, the law was they had to make stuff for 10 years or have parts right. after a car was out of production for 10 years. And uh, uh, once those kind of went away, the after uh, initial assembly or initial manufacturer parts were oftentimes stamped with with worn out dies and 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 even a an, a new old stock original equipment panel might be off it might be rounded on the corners or whatever because okay. it wasn't produced during the main run of the cars where, where they were maintaining the stamping dies and everything it was done afterwards and okay a lot of times the the nos um new old stock supply for these parts a lot of those pieces were actually cast-offs from the original production. Really? So, as uh, to use GM as an example, as the Fisher Body plant is making bodies, if uh-huh. a quarter panel's got a wrinkle in it or something and it didn't meet their quality standards, they push it off the side. Well, that becomes a repair panel. Really? For a crash car. Yeah, not all of them, but some of them, uh-huh. some of them did that. You know? Oh, I'll be darned. Yeah, right. So... Uh, when you're starting from scratch today, you know, the process of making a brand new panel, I thought was kind of interesting. And, and uh, so they started releasing a few pictures of some of their, their new full quarter panels for 63 and 64 galaxies. And the same question always seems to pop up. What would your question be if you saw a brand new quarter panel and you had uh, uh, the ear of the manufacturer when you're looking at it? How good is it? Essentially, that's it. the The main question people ask is: Is it made of thinner steel than the original? Right. Yeah. The quality of it are the are all the contours uh, faithful to the original? Yeah. The thickness. Yeah. Those those are the two biggest things. People right. want them to fit nicely when they put them on. They they don't want to have to put you know ten, twelve, fourteen hours of of work in them before they're able to get it to look nice on that car. Right, right. So the the thinness or the the metal gauge question was one that I I honestly thought was a little bit of a maybe a myth or a misnomer, uh-huh. uh, but but uh, Mike Gray uh, confirmed that a lot of companies were releasing thinner panels, really, right out of the box, and and the reason for that was if you're the original manufacturer, if you're Ford and you're stamping out panels. You have the budget and the resources to maintain the stamping dies and to change them out as necessary. Right. But if you're an aftermarket parts company, you got to go easy on those dies because oh, yeah. that's a huge expense to make them and yeah. to keep them happy and stamping and accurate. So yeah. they would sneak in a slightly thinner gauge of steel, which was easier to form. I see. And therefore, the long-term investment. Yeah, right. It was it was interesting <laughs> because, I, you know, I would have thought, I, I couldn't imagine that the material cost of a gauge or two thinner of steel was worth the risk of not having uh-huh. an accurate panel. But when you stamp out a, you know, a hundred, a thousand, or however many on that set of dies, that, that's all the budget you have, um, I, I could see how that would be. Yeah, I could... I could see that too. Right, right. Yeah. And, and uh, another one that I never knew about was a lot of the reproduction glass is thinner. Really? Than original glass. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Son of a gun. So uh, what that does is it, it's easier and cheaper to make, and it can throw off how your trim fits. It can throw off how your panels right. fit, how your regulators work and all that stuff. So... Um, it's interesting advice as you restore a car. Uh, there are certain companies that will publish the thickness of the glass in their specifications. Uh, okay. Measure your original stuff and make sure that whatever you're getting is uh, is accurate. And yeah. AMD makes glass too. I didn't know that either, but they uh, they, huh. they do reproduce reproduce glass. Cool. So so that was all pretty cool. So it, in their case. Um, they're using dies that are now being designed with laser scanned uh, 3D CAD technology. Okay. So, so they can scan a car and, and, and build all the dimensions in a 3D CAD program and then make the inverse, which becomes the stamping die. 
Okay. And he said what they do then is they make some prototype panels um, with those dyes. And if everything checks out, then they'll do like a, a heat treat or a different, uh, they'll, maybe they'll plate them or polish them. He, he did mention it, uh-huh. but it's escaping me. But I, I think they actually plate the dyes to be stronger. Sure. And then those become the production stamps. I got gotcha. you. And, huh. it, uh, you know, in much the same way, like in our shop at, at V8 Speed and Resto, when we're, we're building a car for a customer, it's important to us to install the actual trim that's going on the car because we can fit the windows and fit the panels to that trim. Right. And then we don't want to switch that trim for another set for final assembly because it might be right. different. You know. Sure. So what they do is they try to make sure that they're uh-huh. using the exact same die that they used you know, as they prototyped, uh, they just sure. detail the die and, and harden it and make it more of an industrial. Make it production worthy. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. It's, huh. pr- it's pretty neat stuff. So it is pretty neat stuff. I like hearing how, uh, how they come up with the, uh, the, the formula to decide whether to produce, uh, a, a, a part or not right. based on, you know, you know, I would imagine they, they would take the number of production vehicles produced and probably estimate how many they think are left. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, take that number and apply some other E equals MC squared formula to it and come up with a, come up with a ratio. So, well, it's a huge investment. So totally. they got to get it right, you know? Yeah. And, and I think when they've been around, I don't know, 10 years or so, and I think in the beginning, and I'm just kind of speaking freely here, but I think their mission initially was to make a better panel than some of the other ones out there. So they looked at things that they thought were substandard and, and tried to improve on panels. And now they're, uh-huh. they've got all those you know mainstream, super popular cars covered. And now they're sure. kind of going after some of the, the more niche stuff that other companies might not you know, be... Uh, uh, happy taking that risk doing. Um, yeah, that's a risk. It is a risk. You know, you got to be, you make them, you got to be able to sell them. So here's another thing that I thought was pretty cool is it doesn't do anybody, it does them some good, but it doesn't do them all the good if they only make the quarter panel because you got to make the quarter panel and then the trunk extension that welds to it and then the trunk floor that welds to that and then the wheelhouse that welds right. to both and then, oh, you boy. know, the rocker panel. So, you know, if you're, if you're working on a rusty car and you, you saw you had a brand new quarter panel, but you got nothing to stick it to, you know, your chances <laughs> there's, there's of success that. are limited, right? <laughs> so that's what they are doing is they are, um, they're trying to make, you know, thigh bone connects to the knee bone and the knee bone connects to the shin sure. bone and they're releasing kind of sections of the car at once. So it's going to be trunk floor, inner and outer wheelhouse, trunk extension and quarter panel sure so that people can and it makes sense from a sales standpoint too you there's more to buy and chances yeah. are all that stuff is rusted out you know if, right if any of it is it right. all is yeah yeah so he said they um they they use at least three cars to scan to make the panel I so see. I, I called them martyr cars, you know, uh, and he said it's, it's pretty, in some ways it sucks because you've got to find, you know, at least three nice ones. Right. And then scan them and they're going to yeah. give up their, they're going to give up their life so that more panels Ooh. can be made. So they very carefully strip them and, and drill out all the spot welds and, right. and deconstruct remove, it carefully. Yep, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yep, remove the whole panel and then make the scans and then make the new one and put it in its place where that one came off of to see that it fits uh, the hole. That it fits. Okay. And then revise that for other cars because not all cars are the same. So they're, they're always looking for original, uncrashed, not yeah. rusty. Yeah. Not with a gallon of filler on it. Those right, kind of right. cars that are that are true, true originals. Yeah. Oh, that's got to be... On, on those cars, the, the, those galaxies, that's got to be a, a bit of a task. It was. He said, um, they, they, I think they've got 18 months into this project already, and they're just starting to release car uh, parts you know, now. Oh, are they? Just and, now? Okay. Uh, they, they bank at least a couple of years to, uh, to bring something to market. And, 
it, it, it's a it's a heck of a, a challenge. And they they've obviously known that they were doing this, but it's only recently that the word's getting out because um, there's always that risk of of advertising a part that isn't available, you know, uh, or or didn't go right in the last stage of manufacturing. And I see, yeah, yeah. We all have catalogs. that's pretty. That's a pretty cool. Uh, it's a pretty cool process they go through. Yeah, it, it is. You know, so you know now when people talk about uh, you know reproducing body panels, especially, and and they they also do trim and hinges and you know gas tanks and right. all kinds of stuff. But it's like it, it's almost funny when people everybody everybody wants the car they have, you know. So I got a '62 Ford. And I've right. been around this long enough to know that there's it's a one-year-only body style, so that's got an effect. You know, there's not that many of them made, so that's got an effect. I, I'm not really going to go up to them and say, well, you need to make parts for my 62. But that's what right. everybody does. You know, it's, sure. I got a, a, a matador and I need a fender. <laughs> you, you know, you got to make it. And it's not like you just go into the magic factory and pull right. one off the hip. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you could 3D print whatever you want, right? You know, right, you know, right. Not, sure, sure, I can. Not, It'll be made out of plastic. Have a nice day. <laughs> right, not quite. Yeah. Uh, but there is some newer technology also being involved. One of one of the things that I thought also was kind of cool is some cars have a very similar panel, except for maybe the marker light design changes. Uh-huh. So Firebirds are a good example. The the quarter uh-huh. panel design is basically the same for seven and eight, but the marker light change, and they used right. to have to do a whole separate stamping to cut that marker light hole out, uh, but today that's laser cut. So they take the same uh-huh. panel, and they just nice. point the one year laser at it, or point the other year laser at it. You know, and, and there you go. So I'll be darned. It is neat. That is neat. Yeah. Boy, the things you learn. Gosh dang it. Yeah. So See, kids, this show's educational. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So I, I was appreciative that he took some time to kind of walk me through all that because a lot of it, like I said, I wouldn't have guessed. Uh, but uh, for Galaxy yeah. fans, it's good news. So, you know, keep your eyes yeah. open because they're also working on 66 and 7, and they're also going to be doing uh, Torino 68 to 72 way right on. down the line. Right on. Yeah. I, I didn't know the 62 Galaxy was a one-year-only bo- one body style. I thought it shared it with the 63. No, I mean, a one-year thing is kind of a, that's kind of a misnomer. So you look at the interchangeability of the platform. Uh-huh. So the platform is, the, is essentially the same. I mean, some of the suspension parts go back to 57. And oh, they, wow. go, they go all the way up to 64. So those are compatible underneath. But the, the body itself changed every year, 60, 60 61, 62, 63, uh-huh. 64. They're all on the same platform, but none of the, you know, the door. I think a, a 61 and 2 door interchanges, but I don't think a 3 and 4 do because of the trim and stuff. I mean, there's subtle okay. differences between them all. I see. Um, and it's like your GTO. You know, we always say kind of 66 and 7 are kind of the same. Right. But Similar, then really yeah. Really, they're not. Yeah. Yeah, there's some. I mean, the hoods are the same. There you but, go. Yeah, and the um, hoods and glass. Well, Sixty-five, six, and seven hoods are, are, are identical. But uh, I remember when uh, the sixty-six quarters became available, and the sixty-seven crowds were like, "Oh, so close! We needed quarters for the sixty-sevens." <laughs> I mean, you could put it on a sixty-six quarter on a sixty-seven, but you would have to work the hell out of it. In order to make it fit and make it correct, right? Because the, I mean, the tail treatment is different, mm-hmm. and just other little minor differences. They, from 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 ten feet away, they look the same. Right. But when you get up close, you can see all the differences. Absolutely. Right, and for whatever reason, sixty three was a breakout year in popularity for galaxies. Was uh, it? They sold a lot of them, and a lot of people are restoring those cars. And sixty four, you know, was a high point too. So. It makes sense for them to go after those to start with. Um, uh-huh. Another interesting thing on that line is, if you're familiar with the Starliner, which was a 60 and 61 hardtop Galaxy that had a fastback roof design. And okay. the whole point of that car was to gain advantage in NASCAR. Uh-huh. Uh, back in those days, they used to race convertibles. NASCAR had a you know whole series of racing convertibles. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, and in fact, in 62, there's this famous picture of a thing called a star lift hard, 
hard top, a removable hard top on a convertible. So it's a huh. convertible car with a fiberglass roof that has a fastback design to make the convertible a legal race car, uh, but then added the aerodynamics of the the roof line. I see. And, and I gotcha. A couple of those star lift roofs are out there. I don't know if any of them are actual production. I don't think it ever happened. Uh, I see. Yeah, so so the 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 six but the Starliner was an actual hardtop car, and they're super cool. That's a beautiful uh, profile, and, and along the, I guess it'd be the B pillar in the back around the rear glass on the side. There's actually uh, stainless st- or, or yeah, I guess it is a stainless skin star that's stamped in. There's three of them that go down, and and it's a, oh, nice. it's a space age you know looking looking yeah. Car. And I thought, how cool would it be, you know, to reproduce parts for those things? Because that's a, a unicorn. And somebody pointed out they made over 100,000 of them. What? But you never see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over the two-year period. So it's like, wow. <laughs> Who that's, knows? That's pretty trippy. It doesn't, and yeah. you never see them. Never see them. Yeah. I'll be darned. But that's right. Someone out there has to have one. Let's get some pictures, people. Oh, yeah. Well, we featured one, uh, a, a really cool one, a Muscle Car of the Week, a 61. Um, that oh, huh. was one of the few modified cars we've ever featured on that show because it had a, it had a '63. Um, did it have the? I think it had a 427 in it instead of in '63. It would have had a 406. Uh, okay. Early late '62. Well, so this was a '61 car, so it would have had a 406. Um, okay. The 427 didn't come out till '63, but right. anyway, it's. Uh, they're, they're super neat cars. Um, but, I'll have to check my archive for that muscle car of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, don't, don't be expecting uh, your next uh, parts catalog to come in the mail with the reproduction <laughs> trim on a Starliner. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Maybe someday. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Oh, man. Good stuff. Real good stuff. Yeah. And you saw that video. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, making parts. You saw that video that the Ring right. Brothers put out. I did. I did. That was kind of, I mean, I'm glad they put that out, but it's kind of disappointing that they had to put that out. And uh, for, for those that didn't see that, they were talking about uh, parts counterfeiting, uh, aftermarket parts counterfeiting, their own parts that they're finding that um, people are knocking off and selling at a cheaper price and completely undercutting all of their R&D and all their hard work that they put into creating these in the first place. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it hurts the business. It hurts, it hurts the whole industry is what it does. It it's does. not just them that it's happening to. It's, it's happening to a lot of places. Uh, I, I, I read an article in a hot rod a long time ago about uh, MSD getting uh, counterfeit ignition boxes and some being returned to them thinking that, that they were the genuine article when they weren't working and they had to tell the customers, sorry, this, this isn't our box. And the article gave telltale signs on how to, how to spot the counterfeit versus the genuine article, which was, which was great information. Yeah. In fact, uh, that MSD deal, did you ever see inside one of those? I, I, in the article I did. Yeah, so if yeah, you if you buy an MSD close. ignition box, it's got a circuit board and it's a capacitive discharge ignition. You know, we always right. joke we call it the magical speed device. Is what <laughs> MSD stood for. <laughs> but the uh, the Chinese knockoff ones, when you open it up, it just had a an HEI ignition module. That's right. Soldered into That's it. Right. It had none of the electronics, but it worked. Right. But it was far from the same thing. Uh huh. Exactly. And, and exactly. again. Uh, uh, Michael Gray at AMD was talking about how a huge part of being able to reproduce these parts is the licensing that they have to do with Ford. Oh, I bet. Yeah, absolutely. Every single part has to be individually licensed so that it's okay and it meets standards set forth Uh by the OE to be able to make these parts. And in the case of the Ring Brothers, you know, they, they make billet, uh, accessories, hood hinges, and door handles, and and hardware, and all kinds of uh, 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 you know billet parts that are their own design. So they don't really have a uh, you know a giant legal team enforcing a license to have other people make these. These are their own right. deal. Yeah. And like you said, they spend hours and hours and hours of 
coming up with the idea. So there's intellectual property to start right. with. And then they have to, you know, have their guy in-house do the design work, do the initial uh, uh, CNC work if it's going to be a machine piece. And then they do all the, the testing to make sure it actually works if it's a, a hinge or a uh, moving part. Right. Um, all the way down to putting it in an appropriate box. Uh, Ring Brothers parts, they come packaged very nicely. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, you, you pay money for them, but you know what you're paying for. You know, there's right. obvious quality when you when you get the part. For sure. And, and uh, Kelly and I have known those guys forever. I mean, I think uh, we, we joke about it at, at the, the SEMA show or wherever we see them somewhere. Um, I think I did their first television interview. Is that right? Yeah, back in 98, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So we've known them for a long, long time. And, and they've always been, you know, straight shooters. And, and what you see is, is exactly what you get. In fact, you get more than what you see. <laughs> is that yeah, right? When you, when, you, uh-huh. when you use their parts because they're just so well thought out. And, and like you said, it just really sucks that uh, there are those who say, hey, that's pretty cool. Well, I, I've got this little device i can send this to a job shop overseas and they can start right. spitting them out and i'm going to make the money yep exactly i'll undercut their price by you know 20 30 percent you know and i'll make a huge profit for myself and i'll tell, tell them just go screw off and it's it's it sucks yeah it really does suck and and ebay so, has been a clearinghouse for a lot of this stuff yep because you have it no sure idea has. who you're buying from and yep. They, there's no requirement to have an eBay store, and believe me, I'm yeah. a I'm a huge fan of eBay. I love eBay. Yeah. I use it every day. But there are certain things. If I'm going to buy a branded part, I'm buying it from an authorized dealer or sure. the manufacturer direct. Yeah, that's the safest way to make sure you're getting the genuine article. Yeah, I would totally stay away from from eBay or or Craigslist or any of those other non official uh, manufactured sites that would uh that would sell those things i would only go straight to the horse's mouth on that one or go to a, a you know an authorized reseller like yeah. you buy something through a summit and that way you have if you get it and it happens to not be right at least you have some fallback to say hey you right. sent me this this happens to be counterfeit let's let's get this fixed right i remember a while back somebody put out a thing online because you know it's real easy to make complaints and and spread you know bad bad news uh, right. that a ring hinge broke and they're like oh you know these things are garbage well it wasn't theirs it was a knockoff right. that broke and uh-huh. they took obviously not only notice because of the the business ramifications but these i mean uh-huh. they were offended and rightly well, they should so be. right yeah yeah like, man you know for you to drag our name through the mud it wasn't even our part yeah. to start with uh-huh. how, how, how much work does it take to regain that customer's trust They've already yeah. spent the money. They're not getting it back. What are you going to do? Send it back to eBay? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, buddy, can you send me the the real thing this time? I don't think so. Right. Yeah. Jeez. So it, it's uh, it was really interesting to see them put that video out um, and appeal directly to their customer base and say, "Look, yeah. this is a thing. This is a problem." Yeah, it's a real problem. Um, it's it, it's probably not going to get any better, but as long as that people are aware of what's happening. I mean, there's going to be there's going to be people who are just going to say, you know, I don't care. I'm going to buy the cheapest thing I can get, and uh, if it looks like a Ring Brothers hinge and I can get it for you know half off of what a real a genuine one would be, then yeah, I'm going to do that. And there's and there's no getting away from that. People are going to do that. But I mean, you really need to appeal to the to the upright. Uh, some sense of uh, fair play, I, I should say, and appeal to them and say, listen, don't buy this cheap knockoff junk yeah, it, yeah. that they designed off of my design. It's, it's, it's not the same quality. It's not the same part. Of course, yeah. it's going to be cheaper. And it's just, it's just I, not right. It's just not right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, it all boils down to that. It's not right. And, there, you know, on a, on a lesser level, there's also the the intermarket thievery of design and ideas and uh-huh. stuff where a, a, a legitimate company is going to take somebody else's design and, uh-huh. you know, and that becomes a whole nother gray area, but at least right. there, there's, there's more of a consumer protection because you're buying it. It might be similar, 
but that's really between those two companies now. Right. You know. Yeah, they they got to duke it out in, in the in the patent court or copyright court or yeah. whatever it whatever it's going to be. So, yeah, they they got to duke that out themselves and uh, and see how that turns out. The ones that really suck are the people that are hung up on watching the house flipping shows and they're buying cars <laughs> cheap and they're throwing all the eBay junk parts at it to make it look like it's something. Right. And then jacking the price up and then the poor guy who buys this thing uh, has nothing. <coughs> has yeah, a, he's has stuck a car, with a... Yeah, all knockoff. With a knockoff pile. Right. So I'm going to say if you're out looking for a car and it's got, you know, high-end parts on it or it's supposed to, make sure that the guy's got all the receipts and guy, you know, has all the packaging, yeah. the seller. And if you're going to sell a car, keep all that stuff. Yeah, you know, for sure. Even if you're not going to sell the car, you keep it all anyway. But that way, you know, when somebody says, hey, I, I see you got all this stuff, and you can say, sure, yeah, this is my receipt from Ring Brothers and whatever, uh, then yeah. that car is going to be worth it, you know. Yeah, that's a huge selling point, I think. It is, it is. I, if, I, if I were selling car, exactly, I would I would want to have all that information to, mm-hmm. so I can prove, here's all the receipts, here's the part, this is it. You know, if anything happens, you have the receipt now, so have a nice day. Right, some of them actually yeah. have transferable warranties. Well, that's you know, even and, better, and some even of them, more reason to buy from the manufacturer. Uh, yeah, and I I know the Ring Brothers, and I'm 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 speaking again out of school here, but I'm pretty sure that if you bought a car with their hinges on and it had a problem, even if it's five yeah. years down the road, that they would at least help you out with it. You know? I, yeah, I don't doubt that. Yeah, 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 and that's that's a difference. You know, I remember seeing some Aeromotive stuff too, that Aeromotive had found the same way that MSD did with all these knockoff Chinese parts <laughs> and the, the labels had bad spelling on them and the <laughs> packaging was all screwed up and, you know, and it's like, oh man. So they were trying to get their, their actual packaging out there to show people when you open uh-huh. the box, this is what it's supposed to look like. Gotcha. You know? Gotcha. Gee whiz. Yeah. Now I hope the, the, the Chinese knockoffs don't say, don't look at that and say, oh, we got to change our packaging now. Now we got to make it look like that so it looks even more genuine. Well, and Ring's alluded to that, you know, that, that yeah. you know, they, they have similar similar packaging as well. Because if you can copy the part, you can copy the package, you know. Right. But, uh, yeah, it, it just blows, you know, these things that, that can take the fun out of the, the project real fast. Yeah, it, it really can. So it, it, getting getting poor quality knockoff stuff is is no fun especially if it's not what you thought you bought yeah right I mean, right if i mean if you did it intentionally bought it then you know hey you're on your own babe well and on that note there's some control arms out there that i've seen that people have bought online knowing that they are a copy of somebody else's and uh-huh. it, it they bought them because they were substantially less money and then the word on the street is that, yeah, you can buy those, but then you just have to put good ball joints in them, and then you've got an okay part. Huh. And it's like, man, so so I, I think some people feel like like they're really getting the inside scoop. You know, it's like, oh, I know the arm is, is junk, you know, and the ball joints are garbage, but if I put the ball joints in, then I've got, you know, pretty close to the name brand one, and I saved myself uh-huh. 40 bucks or whatever at the end. It's like, right. uh, no. No, <laughs> that, that's not the right answer. <laughs> yeah, that's not the right answer. You're you know, absolutely right. Save save the extra whatever, because we all know building these cars is not cheap. No, it's and, not. And, uh, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you can't identify why the real part isn't worth the money, then maybe you don't need the part at all. You know, if, you, if it's Good a tubular point. suspension that you're looking at, and it's like, you know, they want... Whatever, seven hundred fifty bucks for a set of uh, you know arms, but I'm not going to use my car that way. Then just don't buy them. You know, get, yeah. get stock arms, rebuild them, stock and call arms. it a day. As opposed yeah. to saying, well, the real ones are super expensive, and I'm not going to use a car that way, so I'm going to put crappy, unsafe ones for half the price. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, there's, there's no logic there either. No, no, there's not. Because I've seen them. I've not seen these things break. I've seen the welds break. I've seen the ball joints come apart. It's bad. Yeah. Oh boy! So yeah, anyway, that's not good. enough with the doom and gloom. But uh, yes, it yes. was just just some stuff that I think you know was worthy of uh, was worthy of a conversation. Certainly, it, it totally is. It's always worthy of that. Yeah. So, 
Where are we at here? We uh, we have, we have people patiently waiting, and the, the trivia yes, question do. that that you had posed to me, yeah, is the city, the city, right? Not the state. The, the city. city in which the very first electric traffic light was uh, installed and operated in. And Kevin said it was the beautiful town of Los Angeles, California. Right. Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first city was, believe it or not, Cleveland, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. my friend. Ohio. That's right. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. In uh, August 5th, 1914, on the corner of East 105th and Euclid. There you go. Crazy, used to crazy. be a barbershop right there. You're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Could have been. Could still be. They call it the stop and go, you know. Right. Uh, man, really? Cleveland. Well. Yeah, Cleveland. There you go. No one more surprised than me. Yes, being an Ohioan yourself. Being from Cleveland, yes. You yeah. think I'd have known that. So you know where that is? Uh, vaguely, yeah. I know where, yeah, East 105th. Uh, it's actually not that far from where I grew up. Wow. Maybe, maybe 10, 15 miles at the so most. So you could have stopped there at some point. I could have. Yeah, it's very possible. That. Very possible. You, you are part of automotive history and didn't even realize I it. Didn't even realize it. I'm automotive royalty. I never knew it. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, on your side, the question to you was, what country is first in automotive production? Yes. And your, your guess was uh, uh, the thriving country of Mexico. Correctamundo. Incorrectamundo. Ooh, dang it. Yeah. The correct answer, my friend, is China. China? Yes. What? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. <coughs> How did they, who let that happen? The automotive industry... I'm reading this. It's going to sound uh-huh. smarter than what I am. The automotive uh-huh. industry in China has been the largest in the world measured by automobile unit production since 2008. Really? Since 2009, production of automobiles in China exceeds that of the European Union or right. that of the United States and Japan combined. Whoa. Yeah. yeah Who's yeah. getting all these cars? Well, most of them are staying there, which was kind of your question. Uh, yeah. The And I'm reading again here. Yeah. The traditional big four domestic car manufacturers in China are... I guess it's SAIC motor, which maybe is called SIAC or something. All right. uh, the, the very widely popular Dong Feng. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't make this yeah. up, folks. No, no. Maybe they make the Dong Feng. You know, yeah, maybe. Corvette or whatever. Uh, <laughs> FAW and Chang'an. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which sounds like a Mexican slang term. Like right. That, but it's not. It, it does, doesn't it? C-H-A-N-G apostrophe A-N. So, so I was close with this Mexico thing. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, there's a ballpark. And then, of course, there's the Beijing Automotive Group, Brilliance Automotive, BYD, Cherry, Geely, Zhanghuai, Great Wall, and Guangzhou Automobile Group. Uh, and then, of course... Several that are allied with uh, our domestic companies, like Chevrolet's got a big presence right. over there. Buick, of course, is huge. Sure, and China. Love China, the Buick. China, General Motors really is uh, is hot and heavy in in China. Right. So, so yeah, it's it it's the Chinese man. And and here's an interesting uh, statistic: the number of registered cars, buses, vans, and trucks on the road in China reached 62 million in 2009. And is expected to exceed two hundred million in twenty twenty. You got it. that's two years away. You got to be kidding me! Oh my gosh, hundred million vehicles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. So their their economy is obviously growing rapidly, and and they're yeah. a, a, you know they're experiencing the ability to have more and more people have access to cars as they make more. And, right. You know, we're over here getting. The screws tightened to us on emission standards and and all the rest, and and they're like tripling their car and truck output 
you know, Gee in a couple whiz. of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With very little uh, regard, I think, to uh, to the ecosystem in general. Yeah, uh, I think you're right about that. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what their emission standards, if any, are. For crying out loud, especially I know, in, the, in you know, for the big cities like Beijing, the air quality is just horrendous, as from what I understand. And they do have to meet standards that you know for export, but you notice, right? You, you've your neighbors don't have a dong fang at this point. <laughs> we do, they do not have a dong fang, not even a chingao yeah. <laughs> or a chingan. Chingan. <laughs> so I, I think that might be the reason why some of these aren't being exported is because they have to meet crash and oh yeah, you know emissions requirements of other countries that yeah you know, I. I I remember seeing, uh, I think years ago, a video of a Chinese car, Chinese manufactured car, in a crash test, and it was it was pretty scary. Yeah. How this thing just exploded when it hit something. Yeah. Right. It, right. And yeah. it's it's uh, it's a bummer, you know, because the the people are the victims. Yeah. Um, the same way you see, you know, you'll see these news briefs that it's like, yeah, this Chinese. And everything's government backed, you know. So yeah. the the, oh, yeah. the the Chinese uh, uh, some manufacturing or, or uh, construction company put up you know nine high rise apartment buildings in record time and you know three weeks yeah. or something, and then all of a sudden they all tip over like dominoes. Yeah, you know because there, there's no codes or standards or whatever. Right. They look cool, but it's like, wow, yeah, yeah. China, uh-huh. those crafty devils. Apparently, so I thought yeah. that was kind of the theme for today's show. You know, we got. Uh, oh, that's that's a perfect question. Yeah, how about that? Why so, didn't I think of that? Gosh dang it! So does, does that undo my uh, my Cleveland steamer that I took uh, <laughs> <laughs> on, on the track? Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Oh, that was perfect. You sure did, didn't you? <laughs> Try the veal. Tip your waitress. If it wasn't for her, you'd, you'd be sober. <laughs> oh, uh, brother. All right. Well, that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> totally. All right. Well, hey. It's always uh, it's always fun doing this show. I appreciate the time. and uh, Always, always, my friend. I'm walking miles in your shoes here because I'm losing these trivia questions left and right, so i got to sharpen up my game. Yeah. But, uh, well, I'll get there. Uh, like I said before, I, I I gotta come up with some outlandish nonsense to get you. Yeah, well, two can, uh, can play at that game, my friend. <laughs> yeah, well, you you've been playing at that game forever. In, in relation to my intellect, your questions are outlandish. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Well, listen. Uh, press on on the GTO, and we'll we'll look forward to to future updates. And cool. uh, we appreciate everybody listening uh, to V8 Radio. The other day we. Uh, what did I say? We were, we were climbing the ranks on that iTunes yeah. thing. Yeah, the 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 most are listened to uh, uh, shows. Yeah, popular shows. shows. Yeah, we were uh, yeah. we were well into the into the second column, I think. Whoa. for the first time. Yeah, yeah. So we appreciate Dang. that. We've gotten some. So great... we're on second base. We made second base. I know. We're getting All there. right. We're getting there. Uh, we're we're getting some great reviews and a lot of subscribers. We appreciate that. Uh, we're always reading the feedback wherever we can. Uh, and and, uh, <laughs> and we enjoy reading those. And uh, to our, our reviewer who said Mike gets loud sometimes, uh, you know, you can't help it. He's a joyful guy. You know, he just yeah. he laughs and it gets loud. I'm, I'm doing my best uh, to, to really <laughs> quiet it down, folks. Um, welcome to Delicious Dish. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Next time we're gonna, you know, put him on some mind-numbing drugs, so he's just uh, right. <laughs> I need a Xanax before I do this right, show. Just flattened out completely. <laughs> uh, you can also listen on iTunes, which is cool. My uh, my garage setup, I can stream the i. Or the, I'm sorry, the the TuneIn Radio app, which I can stream right. through Amazon, which is pretty neat if you have a, uh-huh. an Amazon device. We come right through your TV set that way. Uh, and then of course, uh, Google Play, Stitcher. Uh, Stitcher had a, uh, an issue, and they they weren't sharing all of our episodes, but now they are doing that again, so we thank them for correcting that. Uh, and, of course, uh, our Facebook page and the V8Radio.com website is where you'll get all of it with the pictures 
added bonus pictures. Right on. So once again, well, thanks for listening, Mike. It's always a pleasure. And uh, likewise, try and uh, try and keep the shiny side up. And we will talk at you next time on VA Radio. <laughs>